Thank you for joining me today. This is Colin Hamilton, Commodities Analyst at BMO Capital Markets. And welcome to our short Metals Matters podcast where we highlight the key things you need to know in global metals and mining this week. Let's start this week with the crux of metals and bulk commodity markets at any time, the Chinese economy. Is the growth engine finally kicking into gear? Well, there's no doubt that we are past the deer in terms of activity. Auto plants are coming back, finally. Copper semi-producers and end-user companies in Shanghai have restarted operations, while logistics are also easing rapidly. Wire and cable companies have reported that orders from the high-voltage sector are good. However, those from construction, critically, are not. And while many high-frequency metrics have improved, most are still below March levels. It will take time to get confidence back to the manufacturing and consumer economies. It seems to us as though the policymakers in Beijing, particularly Prime Minister Li, are fed up with the carrot approach to growth. Um, There's been plenty of credit availability for months, and local government special purpose bonds have been available to issue. However, credit demand simply isn't there, and local governments remain unsure what approach to take in balancing COVID with boosting growth. And that's not helped by the talk of disagreement at higher levels of the CPC. In an election and promotion year, local government officials are naturally risk-averse. And this is why Lee hosted his now famous 100,000 participant video call, a clear hint of the stick approach now coming through. Inspection bodies will be sent to check that projects are being pushed forward at a local government level, while the quote that the economy cannot tolerate growth below 3% this year points to the fallacy of the 5.5% target. It also points to the growing issue of unemployment. In a command economy, into a transition year, stability is key and nothing drives unrest more than two things, unemployment and rising food prices. Hence, why we are seeing extremely aggressive support given to China's farmers to ensure the agricultural crop is maximised. To be clear, we do expect China to get better from an economic and indeed metals demand perspective later in the year, and with the government seemingly close to policy panic, the nature of the pickup could be aggressive, but we do feel it will take a period of time to be felt at the sharp end of the real economy until the transmission mechanisms for stimulus are unjammed. One statistic that caught my attention this week, Japanese buyers paid more for Russian thermal coal than for Russian metallurgical coal over April. Now, this is Russian coal, which even in March, April was becoming somewhat taboo, but the fact that utilities were so aggressive in purchasing does again allude to something I've been talking about frequently over the past two months. Thermal coal is perhaps the tightest commodity market out there. Japanese buyers paid on average $252 a tonne, for thermal coal from all suppliers in April versus just $98 a tonne in April 2021. Supply essentially isn't growing and thus acts as a constraint. And with European, Indian, Vietnamese and Chinese buyers all looking to step up purchases into peak summer power load, the fundamental tightness may get worse before it gets better, supporting seaborne quotes. However, the softer September-October for power demand in the Northern Hemisphere, well, we do expect some of the pent-up pressure to be released. Longer term, thermal coal is still somewhat of a sunset industry, albeit one where the time for the sun to set has certainly been extended. It will play an important role in the transition period, but ultimately, this is a transition away from fossil fuels. We've seen a number of queries this week about the battery sector, given a note published by one of our competitors 
that the bull market has beat. To this, I've been pointing out that pretty much every forecast out there, apart from a few extreme and potentially biased outliers, had lithium and cobalt prices dropping from the current extremely high and in the end unsustainably high price levels. Both are well above the marginal cost of production, several fold so in the case of lithium. We've seen raw material constraints with China's sodgamine imports down year on year, year to date, despite the strength in underlying battery demand. Plus, we've seen logistics issues with cobalt shipments affected by the floods in South Africa. The fact that high prices is curbing buyer enthusiasm is not surprising. And spot prices have in fact been trending down for the past month, aided by the Shanghai lockdown. So if prices alone are the definition of a bull market, it is certainly over. However, electric vehicle sales are trending well above the 9 million annualized we are building into our models for this year. And we're not alone. Demand estimates have to go up. I would also note that the situation with global energy markets currently and the resultant push for energy independence has crystallized in the minds of many investors that further investment is still needed to meet future demand. And that's not happening at sufficient pace, particularly if critical mineral policies drive further midstream and downstream capacity, which need to be filled with raw materials. Given this, we still see potential for re-rating in battery raw materials-related equities. The spool market is not over. To be clear, we're nervous that a consolidation in China's battery OEM and electric vehicle sector could cause price adjustment in the second half. Essentially, this would leave less buyers in the bidding room and shift the balance of power somewhat. But there is no doubt we'll have to keep incentivizing new capacity in these markets just to balance the books. And to note, I don't actually think that if you take the hyperbole marketing spin and journalistic overreaction out of our competitors' note, the underlying market views are actually that different. And lastly this week, I just wanted to touch on the iron ore market as we've had a lot of queries about potential new capacity coming on during the second half of the year. In our view, there's actually very little new capacity uh, due to enter the market, though admittedly we are looking for additional supply from Bloom Lake for Champion and at some point Iron Bridge from Fortescue. Like many other commodities, iron ore has not seen substantial new volumes approved over the past couple of years, despite extremely strong margins, and partly that's because the majors are managing the market better than seen in the past, with subtle hints that they have the option to add capacity should it be needed and thus there is no need for a new market entrance. In our view, the majors are very much aware of China's potential future import decline, with 2022 imports set to be lower for the second year in a row. Growth projects are in the main replacement projects, or those that can be mentioned every now and then to dissuade these new market entrants. This allows iron ore to be treated as a cash cow to fund growth in future-facing commodities that need significantly more investment. We feel the major companies have the market leverage to manage this with the only real threat being growth projects such as the Simindu project in Guinea, which will necessitate more rapid displacement to accommodate. In our view, the best way to judge the iron ore market is not by the general price trend, but by how well the lows are managed over the cycles. Looking into the coming months, however, and we do see more supply entering from the seasonal valley ramp-up post the wet season, plus the usual push for volumes into the end of the Australian fiscal year which will outweigh any losses from the new Indian export tax lowering export volumes. With Chinese rebar not drawing at the usual pace due to the weakness in construction activity, even with higher export steel volumes, we see a decline in steel output in China and thus a pullback in iron ore spot prices. Thank you for listening to Metal Matters. 
If you have any questions or suggestions, just get in touch directly. And if you're enjoying these insights, and surely who wouldn't, I urge you to subscribe if you have not yet done so. I do hope you can join me next time around to discuss more pertinent issues for the global metals and bulk commodity markets. That was Metal Matters, presented by BMO Capital Markets Equity Research. You can subscribe to Metal Matters on Apple Podcasts and other podcast providers, or visit our website at researchglobalzero.bmocapitalmarkets.com to listen to more episodes, including our other podcast series, BMO Equity Research in Tune. If you have feedback or suggestions for upcoming podcasts, please do share it with me at Colin dot hamilton at bimo.com To access our full disclosures, please visit researchglobalzero.bimocapitalmarkets.com forward slash public hyphen disclosure.